It doesn't matter how hard we work or how many hours we put in. If our paradigm or mental program that has exclusive control over our habitual behavior does not change, the results will ultimately remain the same year after year. Bob Proctor from the Paradigm Shift Seminar. Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, where we cover the science-based evidence behind social and emotional learning for schools and emotional intelligence training in the workplace with tools, ideas, and strategies that we can all use for immediate results. I'm Andrea Samadhi, and for this week's Brain Fact Friday, I want to revisit how exactly we change our identity to build a stronger, more resilient 2.0 version of ourselves by reviewing our self-image and self-belief that we actually covered on episode 199 that had over 1,300 downloads, showing me you're just as interested in this topic as I am. This weekend, I was thinking about life and how we just get one shot to make it a meaningful one. I'm sure I'm not alone with this line of thinking, especially these days when it comes to acknowledging how fragile life really is. Earlier this month, I lost another mentor, Mark Lowe, who was my neighbor in Toronto, who was the one that handed me the book that would change my life forever. You can read the story I've told often in the show notes, but for this episode, after thinking about how precious life is, and all the lessons I've learned from the many mentors along the way, there was one profound lesson that stood out to me that I want to tie into this episode that I'll dedicate to my former neighbor from Toronto, Mark Lowe. When I first went to work in the motivational speaking industry, back in the late 90s, I was hired by my neighbor, Mark, to help with administrative tasks that eventually moved into sales leading me to travel to each of the seminars and learn from all the speakers and connections made over the years, and I talk about everyone I've learned from on this podcast. In those early days, I would receive a paycheck from Mark's company that was called the Praxis Group. I remember looking at my check one day and asking Mark, hey, what does Praxis mean? And he looked over from the desk on the other side of the room. We actually worked out of his parents' basement back then with our desks facing a wall that was covered in charts with our upcoming seminars. And he replied, Andrea, it's when you integrate your beliefs with your behaviors. That was it. He just stopped for a minute and watched my face looking confused. And he added that people really change when this happens and they become an entirely new person with this concept of praxis. I looked up the definition that Merriam-Webster gives today and it says that praxis is the practical application of a theory or the practice of an art, science, or skill. If you look up becoming a better version of you these days, the topic is still of high interest. I remember thinking, that's incredible, as I love everything about change, growth, or skill building. But looking back now, I'm sure it took me over 22 years to get the full understanding of the meaning of praxis and how we exactly integrate our beliefs with our behaviors to attain this sought-after change, which happens when we repeat the new habits of what we want 
over and over again. I had to dig a bit, but I did find an old photo of our offices in those early days before Bob Proctor's seminars took off and became the Proctor Gallagher Institute with an official office. But in these early days, Mark Lowe worked at the desk to the left of me, and while it's funny to see all the old technology we used to use, or how we manually kept track of the seminar attendees with wall charts, there's so much more behind the work that was done in those early days, and it had to do with praxis, which is why people paid the money they did to attend these seminars. Seminar attendees were looking to create a new version of themselves by changing their old beliefs and then integrating their new beliefs that they had learned with their current life. They were paying for this concept of praxis, whether it was around changing their beliefs about their ability to earn money, there were many seminars on that topic, or improve their relationships, or creativity, or productivity, there was a change of thinking required that would lead to a paradigm shift, and then to permanent change, which I'm sure is what we all want in life. We're either improving and moving forward to this new version of ourselves, or we're not. So what does praxis, or integrating our beliefs and our behaviors, have to do with our self-image? The Mountain State Centers for Independent Living has a definition of self-image that I can relate to. It says that self-image is how you perceive yourself. It's a number of self-impressions that have built up over time. These self-images can be positive, giving a person confidence in their thoughts and actions, or negative, making a person doubtful of their capabilities and ideas. Our self-image is what we see when we look in the mirror. But like the definition we just read, what we see can either be positive, giving us confidence, or negative, making us doubtful of our capabilities and ideas. Our self-image is something that's built up over time, and I would say it exists in the non-conscious part of our mind. You can look at the image in the show notes that I took from my notes from the Winner's Image Seminar that actually went into my first book, The Secret for Teens Revealed. This way of looking at our mind originated from the late Dr. Thurman Fleet, who was the founder of concept therapy, and is a good way to think of where our self-image exists in our mind. Remember, we can have a self-image that controls our ability to earn money, where we either see ourselves as a strong income earner or not. We can have a self-image that controls our weight and health, where we see ourselves as healthy or not. We can have a self-image that controls our grades in school, where we see ourselves as a good student or not. If we look at the image in the show notes of our self-image and where it is in our mind, it's easy to see that what we think about ourselves, this self-image, controls our results in our life. It actually controls everything about ourselves. And if we don't like what our self-image is, to change our paradigms or our old way of thinking, we need to do the work to overcome the old self-image that controls our results with a new self-image that with time will override that old, outdated version of ourselves. Our new 2.0 self-image that's based on the new actions we must take will eventually cause us to create new conditions, circumstances, and set us up for a whole new life. 
Who wouldn't want to choose this new path over that old version of you? It just takes the work and the will to do it. And when we believe in ourselves, we'll do that work required for our new results. Our self-image has a lot to do with our self-esteem, which is the overall sense of respect for ourselves and involves how favorably or unfavorably we feel about ourselves. Obviously, when we're earning more money than less, we'll feel more confident. Or if we're a student achieving excellent grades, this boosts our confidence levels. It's these strong confidence levels that we'll need to override our doubts, fears, and uncertainties that will come along our way, allowing us to achieve praxis and the change that Mark Lowe mentioned came along with creating a new identity. You become a winner or a good income earner or an excellent student. You become that new version of you. When I look at the photo of myself that I found back in December of 2000, I was 29 years old and I can remember sitting in that chair in the office like it was yesterday. I know that I felt confident with myself, my self-esteem, enough to quit my teaching position and try something entirely new, but there was something missing with my equation. While I had a strong self-esteem, what I thought of myself, I had a very weak self-image because I was worried about what other people thought of me. I think this is an age experience concept that shifts with time, but what goes on inside our minds shows on the outside with our behaviors and end results, like we can see with the diagram that I drew out. So I do think we can see someone's confidence levels or lack of confidence, it shows up with our results. It's almost like this cybernetic mechanism that keeps us stuck from moving forward with whatever it is we're working on. When we're stuck or unable to move forward, there's something blocking our results at the non-conscious level. And we can, with some introspection, figure out what it is. While writing this episode, I was talking with one of my close friends from high school, and she said to me, do you ever look back at pictures and think, wow, I wish I knew what I know now back then? She got it right for sure. I wish I knew this quote 22 years ago from America's leading psychologist and brain health expert, Dr. Daniel Amen, who says, when you're 18, you think everybody is judging you and you care deeply about what they think of you. When you reach 40, you no longer care what anybody thinks about you. When you're 60, you realize nobody's been thinking about you at all because most people only think about themselves. Try this activity for yourself. Find a photograph of you from a long time ago and see what you see. It's really easy to see it in others and more difficult when it comes to self-reflection. What do you see when you look at older photos of yourself? Do you remember how you felt in the photo? How is your self-esteem equation? What you think of yourself versus your self-image? How you see yourself based on what you think others think of you? Leading to your level of confidence. You can learn so much about yourself and what you can improve from this level of self-awareness. So once we see our gaps, how do we build up our confidence? Once we see our confidence equation, if you were like me and noticed that for whatever reason you had an area of your equation that you could change, either your self-esteem levels or self-image, then this week's Brain Fact Friday is for you. 
On this episode, we'll create a plan to fix our gaps and override that older version of you. But before we create this plan, for this week's Brain Fact Friday, I want to revisit a part of our brain that researchers at Dartmouth College have identified as a region of the human brain that seems to predict a person's self-esteem levels or what they think of themselves, where our identity begins that leads to our self-belief. We did cover this on episode 199, but I want to look at this part of the brain from a different angle and how it relates to praxis, or integrating our new beliefs with our new behaviors for new results and increased confidence levels that we'll need to build this 2.0 version of ourselves. This part of the brain that researchers discovered can predict a person's self-esteem levels is called the frontal striatal pathway. And the stronger and more active it is in the brain, the more self-esteem someone has. The lead researcher of this study, Robert Chavez, found that self-esteem lies in this pathway, as you can see in the image in the show notes, and that this pathway connects the medial prefrontal cortex in the front of the brain that deals with self-knowledge to the ventral striatum that deals with feelings of motivation and reward. He calls this pathway the road, and that a person with a strong road was more likely to have higher long-term self-esteem. He also reminds us how repeated behaviors like meditation can alter brain traits. And we've talked about why repetition or doing things over and over again can strengthen these neural pathways that lead to stronger roads and higher levels of self-esteem. So how do we build a new and more confident you? Or how can we integrate our beliefs with our behaviors? This comes with time, experience, and like we learned from Dr. John Dolosky's research way back from episode 37, from repeating the same thing over and over again to strengthen those neural pathways, leading to stronger roads in the brain. This weekend, as I was thinking about Mark and his business name Praxis, and all the people he helped over the years, I went back to those early days when I watched many people switch on something with their thinking and make significant changes in their lives as they change their self-image, overriding their old paradigms, and then they created this new 2.0 version of themselves. I'm always on the lookout for those who do the work to make this change, as many people get stuck in the process along the way, which is why I wanted to cover this on this week's Brain Fact Friday to bring clarity to how we can all accomplish this change. So how can we create a new self-image and override our old paradigms? Now, this is the part that I think took me over 22 years to really understand. I think this part is clear, that over time of doing things a certain way, we can override our old paradigms, creating a new self-image, leading us to new results and stronger roads in our brain, leading us to higher levels of self-esteem. When I asked Mark what praxis meant, and he said it means integrating our beliefs with our behaviors, I don't think I really understood how praxis happens. How do we integrate our beliefs with our behaviors? It doesn't just happen one day, it happens over time, after doing the same thing over and over again. One day we look up from whatever it is we're doing, and we notice this change is now permanent. Like my high school friend reminded me, 
Don't you wish we knew back then what we know now? I wish I was more confident in my abilities and didn't worry what others thought about me. I hope this awareness can help others now shorten their curve to changing old beliefs and habits and create a new 2.0 version of themselves. I saw it when I interviewed Ryan O'Neill with episode 203 on making your vision a reality because he changed right in front of my eyes into an entirely different person, a new 2.0 version of himself. When I began working with Ryan around 10 years ago, he mentioned he never imagined where his life would be today, starring on television shows like the Discovery Channel around the globe for his work as a paranormal researcher. I thought about the hard work that Ryan put in to change his self-image, leading to new results, and I thought it was almost like taking a glass of water and putting one drop of food coloring into it, likening the food color to the repetition of daily activity that's required for this change. To make a long-lasting color change on the water, we have to keep adding new drops of color to the water every day. We can't just add a drop or two and expect the color change to last. It will fade away unless the drops are repeated. Exactly the way we must repeat our daily actions, grinding away our old self-image and building a new one in its place. It's a process, but this new self-image leads us to new results and this new version of you. It's all possible with a vision, hard work, and persistence. So how do you achieve praxis and integrate your beliefs with your behavior? I've included a roadmap for you to use in the show notes for your next steps, but it doesn't matter what you use. This is just to help with a vision to help you plan out where you are and where you're going. The first step is to figure out where are you now. Start with the self-esteem equation and look for your gaps. With a strong self-esteem, what you think of yourself, plus a strong self-image, How you perceive yourself based on how you think others see you leads to strong confidence levels. Where is your self-esteem, your overall sense of self-respect? Does this area need work? Where is your self-image, how you see yourself based on how others perceive you? Are you like I was and just needed to let go of what others thought of me? Once you can see the gaps, you know where to begin. Write out the old identity of what you want to override where you are now, and replace it with your new identity or vision. Step two, you've got to know where you're going. What's your new self-image? What would you like to create? Do you want to be a good student, lose weight, be a leader in educational neuroscience? Write out your new identity in as much detail as possible. Step three, do the work. What do you need to do to accomplish this goal? Find someone who's achieved what you want to do and ask where to begin. And that's where you create your action plan and you don't stop until you get to where you're going. And finally, you've got to integrate your wins. As you make incremental wins along the way, you must integrate these wins into your life. Celebrate each win every step of the way since the brain is a prediction machine. I learned that from Andrew Huberman And if you have too many losses in a row, the brain will begin to predict more losses. So to review this week's Brain Fact Friday, did you know that researchers found a part of the brain that predicts a person's self-esteem levels called the frontal striatal pathway, and the stronger and more active it is in the brain, 
the more self-esteem someone has. Did you know that we can change our self-image, how we perceive ourselves, by repeatedly taking action towards something we want, like Ryan O'Neill did in the paranormal industry? And this action will override our old self-image, watering down the paradigms that once controlled us, like we explained with a glass of water changing color with each drop of food coloring added and giving us heightened confidence levels and new results. Like Mark Lowe said to me 22 years ago, it's called praxis, or integrating our beliefs with our behavior. And when this happens, it creates an entirely new person. It just takes work and the will to make this change. Decide what you want. Decide what you're prepared to give up to get it. Set your mind on it and get to work. I hope you enjoyed this episode that took me back 22 years ago as I thought of where my journey began in those early days of working in the motivational speaking industry. This episode is for you, Mark, and for all those people you worked with, including myself, helping us to change into this new 2.0 version of ourselves that we could barely imagine without your vision. And I hope this impacts our listeners the same way it did for me all those years ago. I'll see you next week. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 